Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. And joining me right now from Baltimore is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Uh, he's also Senior Fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. And uh, he's got over 50 books that he's edited or authored, including titles like the Encyclopedia of Catholic History, the Pope Encyclopedia. Uh, we have a Pope, Benedict XVI. And he's at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops meeting there. Matthew, good to have you. Very good to be with you. And greetings from Baltimore. Yeah. So how's, uh, how's it getting off to start? Uh, I would say that uh, they have benefited from the fact that the, yesterday, which is actually the opening of uh, the, the meeting here, was behind closed doors. And that's a pattern that has been set over the last few years, especially from the time that they had the very public disagreement over the question of Eucharistic coherence uh, a couple of years ago. I remember. COVID. Yeah. Uh, and so they have really settled, as I said, into the pattern of starting the meeting with uh, some closed-door sessions. Then today and then tomorrow will be the public session, and then they'll have a final closed-door session on Thursday. So uh, those of us in the media will be allowed in today and tomorrow. Uh, and from that sense, I think they began putting their ducks in a row, uh, which they have been doing again for the last few years. So some of the real back and forth uh, simply hasn't happened publicly. That may happen tomorrow when they put up for vote uh, the question of the what they're going to do with faithful citizenship, uh, forming consciences, uh, in anticipation of the upcoming election, because uh, there has been a move, as you know, uh, to not to change the text, because there simply isn't time, but the introductory note that establishes the tone for everything. That, I'm told, could be a little rancorous tomorrow. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh- and will that be because there are those who uh, want to retain language that uh, abortion is a preeminent priority, and there are those who don't want to give it that stature, that That's status? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, you're exactly right, Al. Uh, I've been told uh, by knowledgeable sources, let's put it that way, that um, there really is a push at this point, uh, I think among the majority of bishops, that they they recognize they need to retain the language of abortion as preeminent, Mm -hmm. especially in light of the events over the last year and a half, post-Dobbs, post the overturn of Roe v. Wade, uh, that the the bishops recognize that uh, pastorally and for the sake of their flock and clarity, they need to reiterate the preeminent position of abortion in light of the various ballot initiatives that have been taking place uh, and uh, what seems to have been uh, a certain amount of disarray uh, among the strategic response on the part of the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. There certainly are going to be those uh, within the the conference who, as they have in past years, are going to push for a very different orientation of the introduction, uh, to use the, the phrase something that, at least in their view, is more consistent with the the smell of Francesco is one of the phrases that mm. uh, we hear a lot these days. Okay. Uh, whether or not Pope Francis uh, has demoted abortion, <laughs> which some have claimed, I think, yeah. is a, a point of some debate. Right. right. No, I, I agree. Uh, is uh, Bishop Thomas uh, heading up the pro-life uh, concerns for the bishops? Yes. Yes, he is. So that's, He's, uh, he's that's an outstanding of... man. I I know him, and he's a great communicator. Uh, I would think he'll really do a great job. 
Yeah, uh, so that was part of the votes that were taken today on the election of a number of new committee chairs. Uh, technically, they will be uh, committee chairs elect for the next year mm-hmm. and then assume full responsibility a year from now okay. when the bishops meet again here in Baltimore. Uh, so one of those committees was pro-life activities, and the two candidates were Bishop Daniel Thomas, as you know, of Toledo, uh, and Archbishop Salvatore Quadilione of uh, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bishop Thomas uh, won that vote. Uh, I think it was 161 votes to 84. Uh, so he will be the, the new chair. Yeah. Succeeding uh, Bishop Burbage of Arlington, who actually was very briefly serving in this position. Uh, he took over when I think it was uh, Archbishop Laurie was elected vice president of the conference. So the musical chairs in some ways uh, in mm-hmm. terms of the committees. Well, very good. Uh, who did they elect a new president? No, uh, that uh, won't be for a bit. Uh, what they did elect was a new secretary. Uh, again, uh, because uh, the Archbishop Brolio was subsequently elected the, the new president. And so Archbishop Paul Coakley, who had been serving in the role of secretary-elect, and that's one of the three really key positions, along with vice president uh, for the conference, uh, he won quite handily uh, because he's, he has the, the power of incumbency, so to speak, yeah. uh, over Archbishop Sample of uh, Portland. I think it was like 187 to 55. Not a huge surprise. Uh, right. And he found himself in the uh, always unenviable position of having to oversee the vote for his own position. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be a little awkward. No. <laughs> yes, he, he, he commented, and one of the candidates says, well, it's me. <laughs> did Archbishop Brolio address uh, the conference? He did. Uh, this is uh, very traditional, uh, that the, the president uh, addresses uh, the, the body as a whole. Uh, we also had, I think, some very interesting remarks uh, from Cardinal Christophe Pierre, the Absolute Nuncio, which we can talk about in a minute. Uh Archbishop Brolio really focused, uh, and you can tell that this is someone who brings uh, a wealth of diplomatic experience. He was, after all, for many years a, a Vatican diplomat. He served in the Secretary of State, and now in his role, not just president of the USCCB, but as the Archbishop for the Military Archdiocese, mm-hmm. that this is someone, because of that role with the military, he is keenly aware of the geopolitical realities facing us. And in that sense, it it was a a grim presentation. And I say that because he moved all over the globe in just a few minutes, talking about the reality, as he put it, of the Holy Land, that the crisis there, the tragedy there of Lebanon. Uh, He moved on to Ukraine. Uh, He looked at uh, Myanmar. Then he moved over to Nicaragua Mm -hmm. and the imprisonment of Bishop Alvarez, the situation in Haiti. Uh, So... This again, it was it was grim, but he made the point that uh, there seems to be no chance of peace anywhere, but we keep praying, and I think that was an important message. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> did he take on <clears throat> uh, Cardinal uh, Pierre's uh, characterization of the Church in America? Well, not uh, there was no reference uh, to that interview in his address. Uh, he did speak, I believe, at a presser uh, that he fielded questions after the, the morning session. 
so uh, he was asked, um, he was peppered with several questions uh, relating to the synod, uh, the relationship of the American bishops uh, to the synod on synodality, uh, the interview in America magazine. Uh, he was also asked by someone uh, whether he would basically condemn uh, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, in their use of force. Uh, and once again, his responses were very diplomatic, but he was clear about and very firm about one thing. And he was asked this question about uh, the American Magazine interview. And you and I, I think, talked about this mm-hmm. about a week ago. Yeah. That he was asked if it represents in this magazine, in the interview, uh, the life of the church in the United States as he sees it. And uh, he rebutted the, the, the question by saying it's a rather loaded one. But he said that, uh, no, but he, he made an, a very important distinction. He said that at least the way that America Magazine characterized uh, the, the Nuncio's reflections. So it's one thing, and you and I discuss it, and we can talk a, a little bit about those comments again, but he said that it really doesn't reflect the way that America Magazine was interpreting these comments, yeah. uh, the reality of the Church in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's rather disconcerting when there's a, a major disagreement about the state of the church in America between the president of the USCCB and the papal nuncio. <laughs> you would hope they'd have a similar mind when it came to the <laughs> state of the church uh, here in the United States. Right. Well, and that's uh, something of an ongoing uh, question that is often posed, uh, especially by, uh, for want of a better way of putting it, progressive Catholic media. Uh, that somehow the conservative American bishops are all aligned against Pope Francis. Yeah, and that they're enemies of synodality. Yeah. Uh, that uh, they have a very political perception of things. That they're right-wing ideologues. Yeah. And uh, I think even Cardinal Pierre himself, in the interview with the American magazine, makes the point that no, he, he does not see left-wing bishops and right. right-wing bishops. Right. Yeah. Let me let me uh, we'll leave that, uh, and then I do want to ask: uh, Was Bishop Strickland there? He was not in attendance uh, at the the actual meeting itself, but he is in Baltimore. Okay, uh, to the point where he is actually very close to. Uh, he's basically outside the hotel, hmm. uh, and uh, has been very notable in. Uh, being outside with supporters uh, saying the rosary. Really? Um, and he has talked a little bit to the press, and uh, I would expect that some of those interviews will be forthcoming. That's a little uh, awkward, be... isn't it? Well, it, it's certainly uh, uh, an interesting development. Uh, yeah. There were a lot of questions over the last few days uh, whether or not Bishop Strickland would be attending. Now, for the record, and I, it, this is a matter of... Uh, the way that the bylaws exist for the USCCB, he has every right to yeah. attend the meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is an emeritus bishop, uh, but uh, the emeriti uh, are allowed to attend any USCCB meeting. Sure. The one key difference is that they cannot actually uh, vote, right. I believe, uh, right. measures, which is something that was imposed. Very famously, there was the story that uh, the bishops were who were retired were bereft were taken, their their ability to vote was removed. Uh, But then as the bishops who did that got older, there was a a brief movement to try to have that restored, because it's one thing to take away 
votes from older bishops when you're a young bishop, and then another thing that, that when you retire, you suddenly can't. But similar questions were asked about the cardinals who were turning 80 when Pope Paul VI imposed that yeah. rule. But having said that, I think uh, it's safe to say that uh, Bishop Strickland is a presence here. I, I can't say that within the, the hall itself, within the meeting, that mm-hmm. he has overshadowed everything. Uh, it, there has been no reference to him, no mention. Okay. No, I, would th- I wouldn't think there would be. Um, yeah. Um, but, but is there any sign of a big rally uh, on his behalf? I know some of his supporters were claiming they were going to have a big rally there. We've only got about 10 Is seconds. A, yeah, a small group outside the hotel. Uh, okay. That changed, but we'll have to see. All right. Matthew, thanks. We'll talk later. God bless. Dr. Matthew Bunsen in Baltimore at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Fall Meeting.